The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, in complete awe that today is the last day of February. I'm also in sort of some stunned awe that my spring garden is blooming, folks, and the cherry blossoms in D.C. are emerging so early that March 1st, that's tomorrow, if you are listening on the day we drop the podcast, is going to be their peak. This is crazy and not normal. Good thing we have the regularity of the podcast to help anchor us. This, this week's guest is a longtime listener. John Webster of the U.S. Biochar Initiative is a longtime listener and fan of the show. And he's also an expert on biochar, a charcoal-like material that is produced from plant materials such as grass, agricultural, and forest residues that are decomposed at high temperatures, often during um, renewable energy production. The application of biochar can greatly help with water retention and soil rejuvenation and other fantastic benefits that John is going to tell us all about. So don't go anywhere, listeners. My conversation with John is coming up next. Welcome back, listeners. I am super excited to be in conversation with John Webster from the U.S. Biochar Initiative. John, covered with a couple feet of snow maybe in Utah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chelsea. It's an honor. Uh, thanks for having us. It's, uh, I'm a longtime listener and uh, fan of Bob's work, so thanks for, thanks cool. for giving us this opportunity. We definitely, uh, any fan of Bob's is a fan of my, is, no, that came out wrong. Any fan of Bob's is someone I'm a fan of. That is what I was trying to say. Um, so I'm just going to start super basic, John, for our listeners who do not know what biochar is. Can you give us a little 101 lesson? Yeah. So biochar is really this kind of, kind of a compelling material. So it is really very simple and yet it's also quite complex. It's uh, carbon-based. It, it's it's a situation where what we're doing is we're capturing carbon that nature already draws down in biomass. So what we do is we expose it to high heats in the absence of oxygen. So effectively, uh, you can think of it at like uh, regenerative baking, right? Most of the industrial applications where we're making this flame never touches the material. And when it comes out, it's like this highly refined form of charcoal, has all these nooks and crannies and pore structure. A uh, tablespoon of this is, has a surface area larger than a football field. It's, it's really fantastic. It does a great job on holding water and nutrient distribution. Uh, so what does that mean? It means it grows really big crops. It helps us mitigate drought concerns, any number of applications. But it can be made in many different ways. You can literally make it in a pit in your backyard. You can make it in a barbecue. So it has it, it has a real unique uh, background in the fact that it is ancient earth wisdom. We're just trying to do it in a new 2.0 kind of technology-driven way to reduce the emissions. So that way uh, we're doing more good, um, more net good. And it's also, you know, when you hear all this news about carbon credits, 
mm-hmm. uh, driving some of the financial markets, 40% of those credits are all built on biochar. Wow. So it's really an unsung hero in terms of in, environmental uh, processes. So how, how is biochar different, or maybe it's a cousin to um, good old fashioned compost? Well, so compost is where you're recycling organic matter, right? So mm-hmm. we put a bunch of vegetable scraps and yard waste and tree leaves and all that into compost. And then we're relying on the biology to come in and do its magic and, and turn it into a fertile hummus and something that we can put back on our garden beds or uh, trees and shrubs, all that kind of thing. So this is different. The pore structure of biochar um, you can think of it like a sponge, right? Except in this case, that sponge is hardened carbon. Mm-hmm. So it's all a stable form of carbon that when you install it in soils, its durability is going to be measured typically in the up to thousands of years versus compost, which is nutrient rich, microbial rich. You put that in your soils, you get anywhere from one to three years on it. So they're both amendments that can be added to soil but compost is more of a nutritional element. Biochar uh, doesn't have much nutrition in it, depending on what it's made from. Now, biochar can be made out of woody biomass, can be made out of crop residues, so nutshells, corn stover, all that type of thing. Uh, It can even be made out of things like construction waste, so clean organic matter, like old two-by-fours, basically anything that's carbon-based and organic we can convert it into biochar. And then uh, depending on the materials that went in, that biochar can be put to different applications. So we can apply it in agriculture, we can apply it in construction and materials development. Biochar can be used as a desiccant, it can be, it's used in cosmetics. Uh, you know, sometimes when you see that charcoal toothpaste on the shelf, yeah. it says it's carbon. Uh, some of that can, might actually be biochar. Interesting. So, yeah, it, isn't it? Isn't slide it? is looking like compost and being used in the agricultural applications, but I didn't know about these other applications as well. That's so it's both like um, it, a form of recycling and it's also a carbon sink. It absolutely is. That's right. Isn't it amazing, too? I mean, it's fantastic. The The plants you can grow with this is, is really uh, <laughs> it's it's mind boggling. I, I live in Utah. We have second driest state in the country. I have a green lawn with 20 minutes of water a week you know we need we need green space in order to reduce heat islands um but we need to be responsible about it and and turf management is one of the number one applications uh second to ag turf management is up and coming as a fantastic way to sequester carbon in the ground by using biochar it's sensible land management. All the high-end golf courses are using it. They don't really talk about it because it's their secret sauce. But <laughs> it's a great way to have green space responsibly. Because one of the things that uh, biochar does is that it in- increases the beneficial microbial and bacterial communities. It's basically like high-rise condos for for all the beneficials, including mycorrhizal fungi. So they get in there. It has this thing. It's called cation exchange. I know it's a little deep in the science, but <laughs> it has a ne- it has a negative charge when it's first made. Uh, so then once you add things like compost or fertilizers to it, 
uh, it will bond with all those nutrients because they tend to be net, uh, positively charged ions. So you have this pairing that happens. And in most cases, it's a temporary bond. So what it's doing is it's holding that nutrition in the soil layer. So that root zone where all that biology needs to survive and thrive and where the plants are getting their nutrition and doing the carbon exchange from the atmosphere as they draw it down, push it into the soil. And the biology is saying, num, 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 we really like this. And they're having their, uh, they're having their good times together. Well, biochar is uh, helping to negotiate that transaction. It's making it so the inputs that do come in last much longer because when you have some amount of moisture and you have some amount of nutrition, it's uh, more optimal for the biology and the plant life. So that's kind of in a nutshell how it works in that regard. Um, but again, drought mitigation is a real concern. 70% of our country is in drought conditions. The Southwest, we're in extreme drought conditions. No, I was just going to ask then, who who is your market? You mentioned golf courses and um you know, is this something that a homeowner can buy at Lowe's? Is it something that the U.S. It's not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. You know, that's an excellent question. The number one use of biochar currently is in agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you apply this to farmland. So, for example, when you build the soil carbon by 1%, the difference in water holding capacity that 1% gives with with biochar and other organic addendums, including compost, but 1% increase holds 27,000 gallons more water per acre. Wow. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So, um, so when you're talking about application strategies, so one of the, one of the new programs that's been underway uh, under development for five to six years is called the code 808 program. It's a soil carbon amendment. It was the interim amendment. The new and uh, finalized amendment is code 336. That's what the USDA and RCS. And what this is doing is it's paying farmers and ranchers. So all of our producers, people that are making our food, it's it's uh, paying to install biochar and or compost into the soils. Uh, and it's paying. So it pays for both the, the biochar and the application of it. So in some markets, uh, it uh, pays enough that it'll pay for all of the biochar. And because biochar is still new and the price ranges uh, across the country, depending on the local producer and what it's made from and and all that, the prices right now for biochar range anywhere from just under $100 to upwards of uh, three or $400 per cubic yard. So um, you know, those big sacks that you might see around, uh, especially in the spring when everybody's getting deliveries to the house for soil and compost. Well, so one of those bags is typically uh, ranges in price, depending on where you live. And it's the same for the farmers and ranchers. So, uh, but the good news is we have more and more producers coming online every day. So we're going to see the price continue to drop um, and stabilize. Uh, supply chains are now normalizing. So in the past, you couldn't really get biochar very reliably, right? It's hard to build. It's hard to build a product line. So let's say you want to build a soil amendment that's a like a biochar compost blend, but you don't have a regular supply of biochar. That was really very much the problem in the past. Nowadays, it's getting easier and easier to find a partner that you can work with that has a consistent biochar supply. 
So now you can build your products. And, you know, um, it's not only agriculture, it's industrial applications as well. It's starting to get, uh, there's a lot of research and application going into biochar's use in comp, or sorry, biochar's use in cement, biochar's use in asphalt, and other construction materials uh, for the built environment. So siding, drywall, insulation, uh, it's being used in art supplies, it's being used in health goods. Um, another one of the primary utilizations for biochar is the in the animal sector is as odor control odor control is a real concern so when you have a large operation you know there's a lot of manure there biochar uh, uh, absorbs a lot of that Uh, one of the benefits of that is when it's in that environment it can then be co-composted later on and then it power packs that compost for application to the field well, it sounds Back like there are a lot of different applications beyond what I even knew about, and also that together, these various applications will help bring you to scale. Like, this is what I'm hearing right now is that, you know, if you're talking about 100 to 300 bucks for one of those bags, that, as you said, you might have delivered to your home in the spring as you're gardening. That's a lot for a homeowner, but as more is produced and as more people are using it, you'll build that market up and it will at some point be a kind of an everyday thing. And we will wonder, how do you not know what biochar is? Because everyone's going to be using it. And I, and yes, I absolutely agree with you there because, um, you know, again, it was, it was really kind of unknown except for in a few sectors, like the regenerative space was really focused on it. Uh, but now we're seeing it transition from that uh, realm of a bunch of advocates that were really, uh, supportive of this material, this biochar. It's like, wow, it's cool. Um, and it's it's converting into an industry. So we're sitting right now just under about 100 million a year. So uh, really a small industry uh, for con- compared to most in the United States, but it's growing. Our producers are growing, um, especially with these incentives like that soil carbon amendment um, that's real, that's going to fundamentally change it. We're getting to where there's a lot more, uh, friendly policy around it, but yes, the, the innovation around, so carbon is a simple material, right? And that's effectively what this is when it's made in, in, in an industrial process, typically our carbon content sitting around 90%. Carbon's a very simple material, but it's elegant in the solutions that it offers us in these modern days to address the problems that we're facing. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. And one of the things that I think really attracts me is that, um, you know, if you you mentioned the drought out in the, um, particularly in the Southwest, but, you know, great portions of the country under drought conditions right now. And there is, you know, what, what the scientists called some committed war- warming, right? So even if we mm-hmm. s- somehow solve climate change immediately, like today, we're still going to see an amount of warming and change baked in because, as we know, the earth isn't just like a light switch where we turn it on, turn it off, climate change is done. So over time, you know, it's hard to see these drought conditions improving um, so I'm sort of seeing this as one of the adaptation strategies toward uh, managing some of the the climate change that we're just going to kind of have to live with because we waited too long to, to reduce our emissions. Absolutely. And I think that's why we're 
I believe that's why we're seeing the government programs that are backing this now, because biochar is very much about resilience. It's about long-term durability. Uh, it's about food security. I mean, food security, national security, they go hand in hand, right? If people are hungry, it's going to cause problems. Resilience is important. If we can do more with less by um, intelligent uh, application of materials like biochar, compost, other addendums, that type of thing, we can have stable, secure, predictable food systems, right? It's all about honoring the cycle, honor the carbon cycle, honor the water cycle, honor the nutrient cycle and the biology. So, and we can do that. And we do that uh, in particular in the biochar industry, we're focused on using waste waste stream or low value materials to convert to biochar. So that's why I talked about earlier, talked about using the residues, right? We're using the extras, the things that people don't need. We're uh, converting uh, animal manures because manure management is a real ongoing concern for anybody that's in the industry. We can convert manures into it. Uh, that makes excellent, but uh, uh, an excellent filtration material for stormwater management and other similar applications. But yes, doing more with less is a big deal resilience climate resilience ecosystem resilience food chain resilience absolutely important this is a critical uh component that can absolutely help us the science is there um that's another thing you know biochar most people have never heard of it but the science community has been very familiar with it for a long time there's nearly thirty thousand technical and peer-reviewed papers on biochar some are bad Okay, because there's no such thing as a biochar, perfect biochar. Some are bad because biochar is not suitable for all applications. Most are good and some are neutral. But again, most are good. And as well, I do want to just really make sure that people understand the difference between things like compost and fertilizer versus biochar. Biochar is an investment, right? Biochar is an investment because you buy the biochar and you apply it. It's not something that you apply every year. Typically, what you're looking to do, depending on the application, in agriculture, you may be adding 1% or 2% by volume, you know, small percentages to your soils. We have tools that help with that. In residential applications, you might be going up to 20% by volume in your gardens, in your garden beds, 10% maybe on your lawns in order to give the benefits that you're looking for. So again, it all varies, but there is no such thing as the perfect biochar, but it's the, but there is a perfect biochar for the application. So depending on what you're doing and what your goals are, you can work with your local provider. You can contact groups like the U.S. Biochar Initiative. We can help you source the material that's right for you. What, what does the U.S. Biochar Initiative do? Do you advocate for certain policies? Are you um, spreading, you know, how do you spread the word? Are you science-based? Like, what is your group actually doing um, um, to promote biochar? Yeah, so thank you. Um, yes, we are non-for-profit, just so everybody, so that's clear. Um, uh, we're a volunteer-led organization, so we're formed by we have scientists, educators, uh, biochar producers, uh, farmers and ranchers. So we have people from all across the spectrum that are involved with this. Everybody has a common goal, the goal of resilience. So 
the USBI in order to promote uh, the sustainable and uh, regenerative practices and the use of biochar. We do things like we make, we have a monthly newsletter. So I'd encourage everybody to go to biochar-us.org and sign up for our newsletter. We uh, create back sheets. We're in the process of doing a website update. So right now the website's a little rough, but it'll be nice and pretty here shortly. Uh, we uh, and on that website, you can find a provider directory. So I know we were talking about being able to source biochar. Um, we're doing outreach and advocacy on social media. Um, we give a lot of referrals. It's one of the number one things that we're a conduit between producers and folks that are looking to source it. Um, maybe folks that are looking to start new um, biochar production facilities. We let them know where the policy is friendly in different states throughout the United States and how to get going. Uh, we partner with the U.S. Forest Service to uh, develop equipment. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's something called the Charboss, which is an air curtain burner. Um, and we've had uh, technical input on that. And one of the things that that does is that will go through and when we have forestry waste, so because we get, you know, it's always great to plant trees, but trees drop a lot of material. And that's what creates our fire risk. So this is a, a, a very sensible way to do fire control and uh, forestry waste management through this air curtain burner that also happens to output some biochar, so which can be returned to the soils for resilience and durability in soil. We used to have a natural fire cycle, but uh, you know, we're really good at putting out fires really fast now. We still, you know, we really do need some fire in the environment. But uh, in the meantime, we have these uh, man-made processes by which we can still honor that carbon cycle. We can convert the waste stream materials into the biochar and return it to soils. Um, but yeah, so uh, we currently uh, are always looking for volunteers. So if anybody's interested in this, please do feel free to reach out. We have info at biochar-us.org. In regards to the agricultural space, one of the reasons it's been slow uh, to be adopted there is because we've had a lack of tools, but that is changing. Um, we have something called the Biochar Atlas. Right now, it's focused on the Pacific Northwest. They just received a good amount of funding through the USDA, uh, and that will turn into a national tool. Uh, we have something called the Web Soil Survey uh, that is also by the USDA. It'll help you identify your soil type. Uh, it uh, also involves geological mapping so you can see the types and and opportunities that you might have to improve your soils and then uh, we the usbi uh, one of our board members is a longtime producer and um, and implementer of biochar in field he's created a calculation tool and we're going to be uh, converting that from a spreadsheet into an, a web-based tool so that way at the ag scale you're going to be able to come in you can make a sensible decision. So once you've decided you're going to add uh, biochar or soil carbon, we can help you get everything balanced out and make sane decisions, right? It's all about conservation and stewardship, conservation and stewardship, conservation and stewardship. This is so critically important to all of our food security, climate resilience, all of it. And, and that's one of the things that we're deeply committed to. Well, John, I think that's an excellent note to end on. And I um, definitely encourage listeners to uh, check out your soon to be uh, fancy website and uh, to reach out directly if they have more questions. Um, but this has been really informative. I know I've learned something and um, it's just great to to meet uh, virtually another person who obviously fan of Bob, but also working in the space to help with those the resiliency, the durability. Um, 
um, because we're all in this climate um, crisis together. So always happy yeah. to um, meet somebody else who's working hard to find some solutions. Yeah, and thank you. It's a real pleasure to meet you. What you're doing is important work. Price. It is February 28th and the cherry blossoms are blooming. I know you have lived in Washington and you know this is not normal. No, it is not normal because I remember even reading a couple weeks ago that it sounded like the cherry blossoms were going to be a little early this year. And then I was at the beach down in Charleston this past weekend and I saw pollen all over the place and we're still have a few days left in February. And finally this morning, in the upstate of South Carolina, we have got pollen that's appearing on the windshield up here. So oh. incredibly warm for this time of year. Just incredible that we had an 80-degree day. It's going to be near 80 again today. My lawn, I haven't even gotten to what i got to do on my lawn yet, and that's going to be another issue. But that's for a story for a yet a far and away other podcast. Well, you could put biochar on it and it would make your lawn look good. Well, John Webster. <laughs> that is the guest. lesson from today. <laughs> yes. And he taught us everything we wanted to know about biochar. And then, you know, my ears peaked up on several things because there were a lot of things I didn't know. But also uh, when he started talking about biochar in relation to fertilizer and yards and stuff like that. So it was definitely a timely interview uh, for me, at least here in the upstate where just so crazy warm, especially where it is for you there in the greater D.C. area, Chels. Yeah, I mean, definitely so warm and unseasonable and hopefully not the new normal, but I'm kind of afraid it is. I hope not. I know that uh, what New York City just got a I think they'd only had what half an inch of recorded snowfall so far this year. But I guess today they've got more than a dusting. So. Finally, winter cometh to parts of the United States. I know winter has been raging its fury in other places, especially like out in California where the San Gabriel Mountains covered in snow. And, you know, in the Los Angeles area, they got uh, – I saw videos of people all over social media just walking out. It was almost like they were seeing a UFO uh, because snow was falling in, in the greater yeah. L.A. area. Just nuts, absolutely well, nuts. And I think that that is just like – to me, it's telling that this is climate change, right? Mm -hmm. So like we do talk a lot about, I mean, the, the terms climate change and global warming are obviously like used interchangeably. And unfortunately, I think people that are still in denial about climate change like to point to global warming and say, or point to things like snow in LA and say, see, it's not global warming. But just a reminder, we're talking about the average global temperature. So having snow in Los Angeles does not mean that global warming is not happening. <laughs> the conditions are being set for really big, sustained changes and trends. And um, I'm sure those folks in L.A. who are not used to getting snow are hoping that snow is not the new normal for them. <laughs> Let me give a shout out to some new members, Chels, because okay. um, we've got some new folks that are standing with us at republican.org forward slash join where you can do that. It takes seconds. We make this plea. We make this pitch. We make this ask every single week, uh, which you can do. It just takes mere seconds. But shouting out a few new of our members, Constant C in Kentucky, Joey S in Wyoming, Nancy S in New Jersey, JD 
in Georgia, and a great idea by our esteemed colleague, Angela Lark, our social uh, media and engagement director. Uh, she gave us a little bit more, which we will start doing uh, each week when a member gives us a little bit more about themselves. So the final one this week, shout out to John S. in Oregon. Uh, who said uh, he is a Vietnam veteran. I've been elected to the board of Lynn Benton Community College, and I'm also a delegate to the Oregon Republican Party. So that's John S. in Oregon, who all those that I just reeled off, Constance, Joey, Nancy, J.D., and then John, appreciate them for standing with us. Again, republican.org forward slash join. It takes mere seconds, Shells. It sure does. And you get so many benefits. Now I sound like the NPR lady. Um, Price, I just love hearing when new people sign up. I love seeing the numbers tick up when I prepare the weekly um, climate weekend review that members get in their inbox every Friday. I get to see how many people that message goes to. And even if it's like 10 more people have joined, I notice, I mean, they're small numbers, but they make a big difference. So well said, and especially your weekend review that comes out every Friday, goes out on our socials, gets emailed out on our website, um, but it gets delivered directly to you. It is one of the most popular pieces of content. Uh, it is something that I think, and I can speak safely in saying that I know a lot of people, uh, especially around the country, but in the D.C. area and everywhere uh, elsewhere, look forward to because it's uh, it's just such a great compilation of things that happen, you know, during the week, a pulse on, you know, climate, energy, and the environment. Um, just fantastic job. Uh, so a pat on the back to you because you need that because it does take a lot of work every single week. Um, one more quick shout out uh, before we get out of here, as we're still working on guests for next week. If you have suggestions, please let Chelsea know. Um, but before we do that, as you know, a new episode of this podcast comes out every single Tuesday. We drop a new episode of Eco Right Speaks every Tuesday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we post it on our website, republican.org forward slash podcast. Every single one that we've ever done is right there in a running list that you can listen to. Uh, but you're, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple, and if you are a spot or uh, Android user, Spotify is a great place to get the Eco Right Speaks delivered to you every single Tuesday. Chels, with that, I will bid you adieu, but before that, I say welcome back from California. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Price. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.